You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All I said in that column, I mean, you know, it's amazing what's going on in the Twitter sphere in the last 36 hours. I never said that the Packers wanted two ones. I never said that the Jets definitely are going after them. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm sitting in my, uh, I'm, I'm actually sitting on a plane flying from Philly to San Jose doing a bunch of things. And that's one of the things I'm doing. And I just tried to uh, sort of put my thinking cap on. And I said, after listening to Adam Schefter on Saturday, what really is the market for Aaron Rodgers and what would happen? Just a guess. That's all this is, a guess. This is nobody on the Packers telling me anything. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, that was the one and only Peter King. Uh, that is the third person of the trio a, between Schefter, Ian Rappaport, and Peter King. The three kings, if you will, the men who have transformed the NFL Twitter sphere, who have given us all the insights of the things that they're hearing in regard to the Green Bay Packers. Fortunately, I was um, about to spend a lot of time digging into the article and what he actually said as opposed to what people are insinuating he said. Fortunately, I don't have to do that because Peter King did the honest thing and went on a show and said, you guys are crazy. All I did was speculate what I think makes sense, which is what I've been saying for a week now. Nobody knows. They're all just guessing. We're all just guessing. We all just have opinions. Now, I appreciate Peter King's opinion, just like Schefter and Ian's opinion, because they do have conversations with people, and people that have good opinions are giving their opinions, but it doesn't make it any more right. It just maybe's maybe you want to listen to it because I talked to a guy that was a GM 10 years ago and he's like, yeah, I'd do it. Here's what I would do. But that also has nothing to do with anything because that's not the GM of the current teams or anything like that. And that's if that's even happening. Peter King's talking about, I don't know, man, I'm just sitting around. Somebody asked me and I was like, I don't know, let me think about it in two verses. So I appreciate uh, old Petey boy doing that for me. I wish Schefter, I mean, Ian... They, 
They don't have to because, again, they already basically talked. Ian was very clear. He's like, I have no idea, but maybe. People still want to spin that. I wonder if people are going to spin this. <laughs> if you can spin, I don't know, maybe, into uh, what I've heard is definitely. I wonder if people could spin Peter King saying, I literally haven't heard anything. I have no idea, and I'm guessing, into, uh, see, he said he heard it. Heard it here, folks. This is uh, breaking news. So, again, and and by the way, this is this is actually a political strategy, and you can see how effective it is. I think it was... Uh, Nancy Pelosi had said this. I don't know why she said it out loud, but um, she talked about how it's a political strategy to you have a bunch of news organizations pump out stuff that's fake, that's not true. And when anybody comes along and they're like, this this uh, news report isn't true, what they do is they say, yeah, but look at the full body. Look at how many people are reporting it. You got the New York Times, you got CNN, you got MSNBC, you got all these things everybody's saying it, everybody's reporting it. Maybe that one report is a little off, but come on, really? With all these people saying it, you're really going to say that it's not true? Of course it's true. Everybody knows it. It's a, it's a strategy. And of course, it's just like 75 different fake reports. It's the same thing here. We got three people saying nothing and it's, yeah, but look at the full body of work. Look at where there's smoke, there's fire. Okay, well, whatever. But anyways, we'll leave it at that. Um, thoroughly covered this topic, and I just wanted to make sure that we're clear that that's 0 for 3 on the breaking reports. Uh, we're 0 for 3 on there being any smoke, so we can stop worrying about there being a fire. I will agree it's more likely this year. It has more to do with the contract than anything else, um, but it is not more in that direction because there are reports this year and they weren't last year. Which, by the way, I'm 90% sure a lot of that's being made up. Like, Rodgers last year and the Packers are like, no way, no trade, never going to happen, I'm never leaving. And this year, the team and Rodgers are both like, yeah, it might happen. No, the Packers have said nothing other than, we absolutely want Rodgers back. And all Rodgers has said is, I mean, never say never. And I just struggle to believe that last year, never say never, never came out of his mouth. So I just think there's a lot of reaching going on to try to come to some kind of a conclusion. But anyways, the only thing I really wanted to add to the conversation that popped up into my head as I was uh, perusing around the interwebs and whatnot, um, one variable in terms of an Aaron Rodgers trade that hasn't really come up on this podcast is the Packers' value of Aaron Rodgers. And the only reason I said that is because it's like, okay, well, it just comes down to what teams think of him. You know, we need a team that thinks he could be an MVP and needs a quarterback. And, you know, you check all these boxes and boom, we got a deal. But we also know that the Green Bay Packers think very, very highly of Aaron Rodgers. And I guess I just wonder, let's just say there's four teams that that check those boxes, right? They are, and I, I think the AFC-NFC thing is complete garbage. I think they would absolutely trade him to an NFC team. Not that it would be their preference, but... Yes, I believe they would trade him to an NFC team. Um, but let's just say there's four teams that check all the boxes. They think Aaron Rodgers is going to be an MVP. They need the quarterback. They're okay with the one-year thing, and they have the salary cap space to bring him on for the you know $16 million or whatever nothing uh, cost it's going to be this year. So we got four of them. But how many of them are willing to reach the Packers' price? Because the Packers are going to have a price. And I think that's an important variable as well, because it's entirely, you know, because this stuff happens all the time. 
you know, we always see, for example, these wide receivers that all the fans want all the time. And we know the Packers are in the conversation and it doesn't get done. Why? Well, because the Packers don't value that player as high as the market got because the market always gets crazy, especially for wide receivers. But who does the who do the Packers value? Quarterbacks. They they probably undervalue wide receiver compared to the league. They probably overvalue quarterback compared to the league. The Packers absolutely put a high I mean everybody does, but I'm saying compared to other teams, Again, do I have to remind you about drafting Jordan Love while Aaron Rodgers is still our quarterback and everybody's laughing? That's a team that massively values quarterbacks. So it's not impossible that they look at Aaron Rodgers and based on their calculus of how valuable a guy like Aaron Rodgers is, they're saying we want two firsts and then some. Now, maybe that's ridiculous, but we got to throw ridiculous out the window because we have to assume ridiculous is going to happen. If a trade happens, something ridiculous happened. And there's a good chance that if a trade doesn't happen, it's because of something ridiculous. Ridiculous is all a part of the offseason. The offseason is nothing but ridiculous. The draft is ridiculous. Free agency is ridiculous. The contracts these guys get sometimes are ridiculous. The trades within the draft are ridiculous. The compensation, you look at the trade charts, it almost never lines up perfectly. They either underpay or overpay because it's all based on need. If you're desperate to move up you're pro- and, and the team that's sitting there is not desperate to move back, you're going to overpay because you're desperate. You need to be here. So I know what the value is, but if you need to come up here, if you really want this guy, then you're going to give me more. And they will. They'll overpay. So the, the Packers are going to have a minimum price. So of those four, again, hypothetical, how many of them do we think reach that level of believing as much as the Packers do. I suppose it's relatively high because we've already come to the point where a team believes that Rodgers is going to be a very good quarterback. But I just wanted to throw it out there that it's entirely possible, like with the wide receiver situation, they're going to have the conversations, they're going to look at what the offer is. You know, well, this 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 guy wants, uh, you know, $20 million to come. You know, Julio wants $20 million or whatever, and it's like, oh, give me a freaking break. I'm not saying that's what he got. I have no idea what he got. I know it was less than that, but... You know, again, it's 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 one thing to say I can't believe you didn't do it. It's another thing to say, well, it's very simple. We want pretty we're willing to listen to just about anybody. But it always comes down to if the price is right. If we Julio has a value according to the Green Bay Packers, and if the Packers have him at a value of six million dollars, and he gets on the phone with the agent for Julio Jones, and he says we want eleven and a half, we got it. It's just let's just hang up the phone. This isn't going to happen. Like there's no way. There's no way. That doesn't mean they weren't interested. It doesn't mean they didn't try. It just means it, that they wanted way too much. I'm not paying that for him. What is what is that baseline going to be for the Packers? Now that we've already ruled out the the Peter King thing as being legitimate, um, but but there is probably going to be a base. I mean, that, not probably. There's definitely going to be a minimum. What happens if of those four, they look at it and go, that's crazy, dude. There's no way. I'm not giving you two firsts and two seconds. Like, I'll give you a first and a second. You know, if, if, if it's that different, like I'm reaching to give you a first and a second, and the Packers are like, no chance. We, we, we will not go anything below two firsts, and I'm not even having a conversation with you. And maybe it just doesn't get done for that reason. And then what do you do? 
Rodgers comes back. He's like, hey, I, I want to play, but I don't think we're really compatible. The Packers are like, all right, dude, we're going to figure something out for you. We're going to get on the move here. Um, but they don't get the compensation they want. What do they do? I don't know. <laughs> what do you do? I mean, you can't just force a trade. You can't just say, well, he wants to be traded, and we got to trade him, and I want this, so you're going to take him, and I'm going to take the compensation. And they're not going to do it at all costs. Well, you know, something's better than nothing, so we'll just, just give me that third-round pick. There's no chance. Gutekunst would never trade him for, you know, whatever the line is. There's certainly a line where Gutekunst is just an absolute chump and, and would never be able to show his face again amongst the uh, at the GM parties that these guys have. So, yeah, I don't, it's there's a lot of complicating factors where on one hand, I'm like, you know, there might be a really strong market for Rodgers and a really big pile of picks. And on the other hand, you look at it and go, there might be a couple teams in the Packers price them out of the market. And again, I don't even know what you do at that point. You just look at them and say, I guess we've exhausted all our options. Um, so you can sit on the bench for us and suck up a bunch of money or you can retire. That's uh, it's going to be on you, bud. Anyways, that's it, man. We're like, uh, not even 15 minutes in, and we're done talking about Rodgers. That is until I go on Twitter and find some other thing that popped up. But we're done. We're done. We're going to move on. Um, this is going to be somewhat of a draft-intensive uh, day, which is good because we are significantly behind. We've covered two prospects up to this point. And that brings us to number three on this list. If you head over to NFL Mock Draft Database, again, Michael Mayer is mocked to the Green Bay Packers roughly 30% of the time. That's followed by Jordan Addison at 15.5%. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, 11.8% to the Green Bay Packers. Now, I want to play this one clip for you really quick because I thought it was important. I, I, I mentioned early on in the process, there's not a lot of guys I like. Not big on the quarterbacks, and I'll be honest, I'm not big on the wide receivers. Um, Addison, I think, is my favorite, but I certainly don't view him as, again, one of those supreme Jamar Chase you know, C.D. Lamb, you know, those guys that it's like, dang, man, this guy is is supremely dominant. You know, I mean, the, the height, the weight, the, the the body control, the hands, the route running. I mean, it's just, it's it's the total package. These guys, it's like, they got, they got some stuff, I guess. This is um, Pro Football Focus did a video breaking down Daniel Jeremiah's 2023 mock draft. Um, the, the great thing about mock drafts, and, and all of this stuff is that there are things that everybody just knows, right? You get these consensus big boards, all these mock draft dorks will pretend that they know everything because they've done a billion mock drafts and they've read a billion mock drafts. And so they know. Um, and then of course, when guys like Daniel Jeremiah come out who have actually been talking to teams and things and have doing a lot of work and talk to scouts, uh, they start doing mock drafts. It's sometimes a lot different than what people are seeing and of course, all the mock draft dorks, then, you know, first they start kicking up and screaming and how dare you and all that stuff. But eventually they kind of sneak into the crowd and they're like, yeah, I always knew that. It's crazy. But Quentin Johnston, who as of right now on the consensus big board is ranked 10th overall, has been considered the number one wide receiver for a very, very long time. He's not on Daniel Jeremiah's first round mock draft at all. He's not there. Fell out of the first round. Here's what they had to say about it. Yes. Yes, who he's not in this mock, not in this mock at all is definitely a surprise. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think the leagues. I don't think the leagues as high as Quint, on Quinn Johnson as as other people are. I think the league does not like this wide receiver group. Mm-hmm. I I agree with that. First wide receiver is not coming off the board in the top twenty. I don't think. Certainly not as it stands today. I just don't think it's happening. No wide receivers. He doesn't think will go in the top twenty. That would include the Green Bay Packers, meaning they're on the clock, and you got Quinton Johnson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jordan Addison. And none of them, according to PFF here, according to what they believe the league thinks, none of them are good picks, meaning the Packers would want... So this is, if this happens, this is everyone's going to lose their mind. Because pick 15 is going to come up and they're going to say, this is it. The Packers have always wanted and had this opportunity and all this stuff. If they ever cared about getting a first-round wide receiver, this is their opportunity. The best wide receiver in the draft, whoever you think it is, is right here. He's in your lap, and they're going to let it go right past him. They're going to end up drafting a pass rusher, and they're going to say, see, that just proves it. There's no chance they would ever take a wide receiver in the first round. I told you. I knew it. Blah, blah, blah. And the reality is there's just nobody worth the 15th pick at pick 15. Now, this isn't gospel. They don't know that. But again, this is based on... You know, we're not getting the kind of feedback from the league on these wide receivers that we've been, for example, seeing in these mock drafts. It doesn't have that same vibe to it, which again, to me, not a scout, but just looking at them, I don't get it. Never really did. Quentin Johnston looks like an NFL. He looks like that guy. He's got that kind of build and just sort of that presence. And sometimes that's how it goes, you know, especially pass rushers that go early. You got somebody built like Miles Garrett, he's going to go early. Well, the production isn't there. Yeah, but look at him. Look at that freaking guy. Are you kidding me? I don't care if he doesn't know how to play football. Look at him. But as a player, eh. Addison is sort of the opposite. He seems to be a fast guy, good route runner, but, you know, taking him early to mid first as a smaller guy, and maybe the league doesn't care about that as much anymore, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Just wanted to play that because, again, as we go through this, there's a lot of people that are screaming, Quentin Johnston falls to the Packers, you got to take him. If Jordan Addison falls to the Packers, you got to take him. And, and of course, there is a huge contingent, I have found out, of Jackson Smith and Jigba truthers that, um, and again, I don't really have an opinion. My first glance was not super blown away, but People that believe that he is, uh, basically, Amon Ross St. Brown is the expectation, which, of course, would be fantastic if he could be Amon Ross St. Brown. But why don't we start there? Jackson Smith and Jigba, third most mocked person. I don't know what the time span is on this. It's probably evolved, but third most mocked person to the Green Bay Packers. But why don't we start this off the way we always do, and I will say there's a ton of mock drafts that have... uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, just going through the last several for the Green Bay Packers. Let's start off with Sporting News. This is, uh, we've used him a couple times. I recognize the name Vinny Iyer. Um, But he has the Packers taking him at 15. He says, the Packers know much of their future at the position is tied to now second-year flashy playmakers Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. But they also know Lazard, Cobb, and free agents. Uh, They also know Lazard and, oh, our free agents. Okay. They can use these picks to give Aaron Rodgers a reliable, smooth weapon, a la former Buckeyes Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave to be his versatile number one in what may be his final season in Green Bay. That is one of the really cool things that kind of escapes me is we're not just adding a guy to the pile at pick 15. We're not adding like, okay, we got Dobbs, we got Watson, we got this guy. Hopefully one of them can kind of be a star. 
If you're taking a guy at 15, it's because we believe, no, 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 this is the number one. Not Watson, not Dobbs, it's this guy. And then we also have Watson, who could be a superstar, and we also have Dobbs, who we like quite a bit. Hunter Haas of NFL Mox has him taking him at 15. The Packers saw positive signs from their two rookie pass catchers in 2022. While Watson and Dobbs excel working downfield and in the screen game, Green Bay desperately needs a route-running technician to move the chains. I will say, there really isn't a better fit. Just in terms of, like, what are you missing? You're basically describing Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, and Jigba witnessed a hit to his draft stock in 2022, coming off his best season at Ohio, uh, off the best season in Ohio State history for a receiver. JSN failed to log an entire game from start to finish this year. Still, the Buckeye playmaker becomes the first wide receiver taken in this mock draft. And that was kind of the point I made, I think, yesterday. You look at Quentin Johnson and say he's good, but he's not like one of those premier guys. You look at Jordan Addison, you say he's good, but he's not one of those premier guys. Jackson Smith and Jigba, if there is a guy that's just an absolute super freak, I think it's him. He kind of reminds me a little bit last year of uh, of Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley was all the rage for since he was a rookie at LSU. He absolutely was a stud. He was a star. He was a freak. And then in his, in his final year, I think there was injuries, but also like his production just kind of went through the floor. And it's like, I just don't know about this guy. Now, I'll be honest, I don't exactly know how it panned out with Stingley. Didn't hear his name. Kind of has to sting a little bit that the Texans took Stingley and Sauce Gardner went one pick later and is so far clearly a better cornerback. But that that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting with uh, JSN. That feeling of like, what we saw this one year that guy is special in a way that nobody else in this class is. But it was just one year. And now there's injury concerns and also just was that kind of a fluke thing. And all these other questions take into account the physical limitations, et cetera, et cetera. We've got Matt Anderson of Vikings Wire, because we don't discriminate. Says, it feels like Aaron Rodgers is on the way out, either via trade or retirement. So how fitting is it that the Packers finally draft a first-round wide receiver in his absence? Smith and Jigbo would give the Packers a, and potentially Jordan Love a great wide receiver core alongside Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson for the foreseeable future. Also had Jason uh, Leiser of Chicago Sun-Times. Didn't really provide any insights, but he had us taking him. Here's what Cody Williams of Fansided had to say. He said, uh, few prospects are going to be as divisive as Jackson Smith and Jigba. The Ohio State wide receiver entered this past season with a ton of hype after a monstrous finish of his 2021 campaign. But an injury in the season opener against Notre Dame limited him, and it seems as if he took it cautiously to protect his draft stock from that point on, which obviously is going to annoy people, but at the same time, if you believe that that's the case, and it's like, dude, behind door number two over here is a freak of a wide receiver. So therein lies the rub. Smith and Jigbo was wildly productive for one season, but then sat out. He also uh, not a crazy athlete with top-tier speed to separate, but what he has shown he can do well is impressive. He's crisp in his route running and cooks defenders routinely because, he, uh, because of that and also has great contested catch ability along with sure hands that seem to vacuum anything in that he wants. Obviously, that would be a nice uh, change of pace considering not only did Christian does Christian have issues with that, but we saw Romeo Dobbs start to struggle with that as well on top of everybody else that the Packers had. While this does come with some risk for Green Bay, I think he's the perfect type of player to add to a lacking wide receiver room. Christian Watson came on late as a rookie and showed he has real ability as a deep threat. Pairing him with a route runner like Smith and Jigba could create a dangerous one-two punch for this offense. 
that uh, one that will be more lethal if another deep threat in Romeo Dobbs can develop and Watson can continue to polish his overall game. There's some great options at wide receiver for the Packers at number 15, or at least this should be in that range. But if Smith and Jigba is there, uh, what he's done in limited work overall at Ohio State, this is the roll of the dice the team need to take. So that's that's the thing with, that's the overall with Smith and Jigba. That's sort of the overview. The fear again is, you know, rookie year, 13 targets, 10 receptions, 49 yards and a touchdown, 72 grade. 2021, 112 targets, 95 receptions, 1,595 yards and nine touchdowns, 91.7 receiving grade, 91.9 or whatever. Uh, and then finally last year, eight targets, four receptions, 39 yards, 55.1 PFF grade. So he had one year, one year that he played basically, period. However, that one year, uh, he was great. He had the third highest receiving grade in all of college football. And, and that's a big deal in college football as opposed to the NFL, because we're talking about, uh, geez, I don't know, about 600 wide receivers with his um, 91.9 receiving grade, third highest yards of any receiver at 1595, highest yards per route run by a mile, uh, the only one that was over four yards per route run, which is insane. Not, not, not per reception. Every time the guy ran a route, he averaged four yards. How crazy is that? Next highest was Jacob Cowing of UTEP, 3.82. In fact, there were only 22 wide receivers that were at three yards per route run or higher. Garrett Wilson was exactly at three at number 22. In fact, there's a lot of names that you recognize here in yards per route run. Garrett Wilson is at three. Uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end that everybody's talking about for next year, is there. Um, Running back Jameer Gibbs, who's in the first round this year. Uh, Jamison Williams of Alabama, 3.12, the Lions guy. Uh, Sky Moore, ninth, 3.40, 3.40, Western Michigan. Drake London, 6, 3.52. Wandale Robinson, 3.56. Traylon Burks, 3.57. And then you get Jackson Smith and Jigba all the way at the top of that list. Not a bad list to be on. He also ranked 8th in um, contested catch rate, but you could argue that he was basically number 1, um, not including people that had 100% contested catch rate which there were obviously seven of them, and the most opportunities was uh, Chigazium Okonkwo, who who was five for five. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was nine of ten, 90%. So you talk about contested catch? That's wild, dude. Highest of anybody with, let's say, more than five contested catch opportunities. Twelfth in missed tackles forced. Again, out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wide receivers, he was twelfth. Um, second in first downs, only Jareth Stearns was higher. He had 67 first downs, 14th highest, um, passer rating, 141.8 when targeted. And this is including all receivers. This is wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, the whole nine yards. So again, Brock Bowers was higher in that. This isn't just a guy. This is where the, the Jackson Smith and Jigba people will come in and be like, you don't understand. Ohio State had really good receivers like Garrett Wilson. Jackson Smith and Jigba was better across the board. Way more yards. Higher yards per reception. He did have less touchdowns. Higher yards after the catch. Higher yards per route run. 
I mean, just down the line, he's just better. So it, it really just comes down to your evaluation in terms of, is that guy from 2021 the guy? Like, is, is that who you're getting? Is that who you're drafting? If so, it's a no-brainer at 15. I mean, you've got questions about injury history and stuff, obviously. Is he okay? But look, in, in my effort to like every single prospect, or, or I shouldn't say that, to desire as many prospects as possible, it's not that hard to get behind Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's really not. Um, it's easy to see the path to him being an incredible asset for the Green Bay Packers. Every player has bust potential. Every player has downside. Every player has negatives. The the, the guy that is considered the best in the entire um, draft. Well, you got the quarterback who's like 190 pounds, which good luck finding a comp for that. Kyler Murray's like 210. So just to give you an idea how crazy that is. Then you got the pass rusher out of Alabama. Same situation. He's a smaller dude. The defensive tackle out of Georgia. You know, I, I don't know. Again, you, you can find reasons. And I think that's what a lot of people, myself included, I watch a guy and I say, I want you to just blow me, just blow me away. In other words, never lose. Or if you're a pass rusher and you get blocked, you're a bum. You know, it's like if you're a tackle and you get beat, you're a bum. You know, there just has to be this magic. And that's obviously stupid. There isn't a perfect prospect. Height, weight, hands, body control, speed, route running, route tree, off the field issues, whatever. But um, watching him and his ability to catch everything. And by the way, watching him, that was the biggest thing, I think, for me, especially with just how much, as I said before, I don't trust this offense. I don't trust Rodgers. I don't trust... Dobbs, I don't trust Lazard and Cobb and Watson and all these guys to just not make a mistake. Even Aaron Jones putting the ball on the ground as much as he did this year. You just felt like you couldn't trust anybody. You didn't trust anybody to just do the right basic thing. Throw the ball accurately to the right guy. Catch the freaking pass. Block for like two seconds. Just didn't trust anybody. And getting a guy like Njigba that catches everything. I mean, not just when he's wide open. I mean, he's such a natural catcher. But even if he's covered, that, again, is 50-50 ability. When that ball's in the air, it's his ball, period. And to be able to have a guy that you can trust to that extent, I think is huge. Kind of like what I said with Christian Watson. At the very least, he's a fast guy that can run down the field. He can be MVS. Like, that's his floor. I think Njigba has a pretty high floor also. You know, if you want him to be your number one wide receiver or whatever, who's going to be on the outside, going to be Devontae? No, he's probably not going to be that. Maybe he will, but probably not. But a guy that you trust can get open, be in the right place at the right time, and is reliable in terms of, I mean, just reliable is, is, is just the word, period. Right place, right time, is going to catch the ball. Just he's, he's just he's just doing the right things all the time, not making mistakes. So I'm on, I'm on board. I can see the light. Is he a top five generational talent? No. Is it easy to get excited about him and what he can do for the Packers? I think so. Anyways, patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry you can find at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built 
for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, after that, there's not really a consensus on who the next person is. Um, I would guess probably Broderick Jones or Brian Branch. However, since we're doing wide receivers, why don't we talk about Mr. Quinton Johnston? Um, He's also heavily being mocked to the Packers. We're probably going to see it a lot more um, in the somewhat near future. And the reason I say that is because right now he's kind of still seen as being out of reach being like the 10th pick or something. But the consensus is he's probably going to fall to the back of the first. Some people suggesting possibly out of the first, as I've already alluded to. Um, and so when he went in that brief period, when he slowly works his way back, that you're going to see a lot of Quentin Johnston. And um, he, it might just be a thing for the rest of the draft, because if he settles around like pick 20 ish, as, as the range or the general area he's expected to go, Packers are probably going to be a, a heavy uh, favorite in that. But anyways, our very own uh, Jacob Shavink um, over at NFL Mocks wrote an article uh, having us take this very player. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jake has been real heavy on the Quentin Johnston train for a while now. I should know these things, but I'm I'm just... I'm doubting myself that it was Quentin Johnston, but I'm pretty sure it was. But anyways, here's what he had to say. I'm not big on doing this. The Green Bay Packers don't select first-round receivers, so why bother doing it here? Well, a couple things. Adding a receiver late is fine to fill a bucket that is missing, but ultimately having an alpha over several guys that fill buckets needs to be a focus at some point. Also, perhaps a player who can jump in immediately and shoulder expectations should help restore faith in running the LeFleur offense. Quentin Johnston hasn't put up gaudy numbers in his TCU career, perhaps until 2022, He had 38 catches, 574 yards, and three touchdowns through seven games, and his last three have accounted for a lot of that total. Over his career, he's averaging over 18 yards per reception. Johnson is a vertical threat with unreal acceleration and long speed. He can stack defenders quickly and separate with speed down the field. Everything is vertical for him, which gets defenders to open up quickly, giving him easy separation underneath. Where Johnson really shines is after the catch. 
where he's always setting his feet well. Uh, he's always setting his feet well to take advantage of space and make defenders miss. Once he's in open space, he'll leave you in the dust. Oh, and he's six foot four and can win contested balls. A ball winner, vertical threat, and yard after the catch threat. Sign the Packers up. So that is the thing I like about Quentin Johnson. As I've said, he just he has that look. I don't know what that even means, but it just is a thing. Um, who was it last year? Steelers guy, George Pickens. Now Pickens was a little bit, as far as like his build, I thought he was maybe a little slender. But watching him play, I said this guy is a wide receiver. That's why he was arguably my favorite receiver in the entire group. Johnston kind of has that. Now, I don't like him the same way I like George Pickens. I got to watch him more, but he kind of is the one guy of the wide receivers that has that sort of presence. Um, I'm a little skeptical of him as a deep threat, considering he's expected to run in the mid four fours. I know 40 time isn't everything, but it's definitely something. But anyways, uh, got another mock draft here. This one again by Freddie Boston. Um, in this case, there was a trade, I think, with the Jets or whatever. And in that first trade with the Jets or whoever it was, um, it says the Packers drafted Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs last year, two important players for the future on offense. However, Alan Zard, Randall Cobb, free agent, blah, 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 blah. Uh, da, da, da. In, in TCU's Quentin Johnston, the Packers would be getting arguably the best wide receiver in the class. Johnston has great size and athleticism. He's six foot four and an explosive athlete. Put him on the same offense as Christian Watson, and defenses will have real problems trying to stop them both. This season, he made 59 catches for 1,066 yards and six touchdowns, averaging 18.1 yards per reception. With his athleticism, Johnson is a dominant uh, is dominant after the catch. According to PFF, Johnson made 43 broken tackles and averaged 7.7 yards after the catch during his career. Incredible numbers. Johnson is 21 years old. Watson is 23. Dobbs is 22. The Packers could potentially enter 2023 with a young quarterback entering his first year as a starter in Jordan Love, who is 24. Think about how good this group could be together two or three years from now. That is pretty wild. Jordan Love being 24 years old would be the oldest of the group between the, and that, that's assuming we don't draft a, uh, a tight end who would also be another young one. That'd be pretty wild, man. I'm just saying, it'd be pretty wild. By the way, Freddie Boston in uh, round two, Darnell Washington, tight end Georgia, just saying. So I have not yet um, started adding all this up, so I can't tell you who I have as my best or worst or whatever wide receiver, but we can look at where that he where he ranks in terms of, you know, compared to all the other wide receivers expected to be in the draft, in the draft, whatever, whatever. And I, I mostly want to compare him to all the other guys that are, you know, expected to be in here. So Quentin Johnson, as listed, is young. However, most of the top guys are Jalen. Uh, so Quentin Johnson, 21.4 years old. Jalen Hyatt, 21.3. Jackson Smith and Jigba is 21. Jordan Addison is 21. And then Kayshawn Boutte, 20.7, is the youngest of the group. Um, if you're looking at his height at six foot four, obviously that is uh, solid. He is one of the tallest in the entire group. I think Matt Landers is the only one that's taller at wide receiver. So he's got the height advantage. It's also one of the bigger wide receivers at 200, and it says here 212 pounds. Uh, quite a few wide receivers that are bigger, but um, nobody that's even considered a first-round prospect. I don't have his hand size or arm or wingspan or any of that stuff uh, right now, so I can't really compare, but I'm guessing considering he's six foot four, that isn't an issue. Um, his 40 time of 4.4, obviously it's not slow, but it's not blazing fast. Um, don't have a whole lot of official 
times. But for example, obviously Jalen Hyatt is expected to be faster. Also Trey Tucker, Cincinnati, 429, 40 time. That dude. Then as we go to offensive PFF grade, he's actually relatively low. Um, He's uh, got a 76 point, uh, nope, yeah, 76.2 grade. Uh, Jalen Hyatt is higher. Um, Jordan Addison is higher. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Rasheed Rice, Jackson Smith, and Jigba is the highest because I used his 2021. Looking at his receiving grade, he's ranked like 23rd out of this group with a 77. Marvin Mims, Ronnie Bell, Jalen Hyatt, uh, skipping, 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 Jackson Janke, Jared Wayne, Jordan Addison, Jake Bobo, Trey Palmer, Elijah Cooks, on and on and on and on. Rasheed Rice, Josh Downs, uh, Puka Nakua, and of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he doesn't really grade out very well via PFF. Yards per reception, as you know, are quite high. I've got him here at eighth. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, Matt Landers, few others, Marvin Mims are higher, but it's it's obviously extremely high. Yards after the catch, he's third behind Darius Davis and Xavier Gibson. Yards per route run, he's got a solid 3.05, but again, uh, Trey Palmer, Jalen Hyatt, Xavier Gibson, Puka Nakua, Jackson Smith, and Jigba are higher. But I think this is the biggest issue, and um, that is his drops. As of right now, he is one of the lowest graded in terms of his drops. And you can see that even, I just went and watched his highlights just to kind of see like, you know, just to get a positive vibe from him. And the one thing that I noticed is he doesn't seem to have that Jackson Smith and Jigba thing or his George Pickens thing or whatever, where there's just confidence in catching the ball. You'll see even when he catches it, sometimes it'll bobble in his hands and there's a lot of body catching and it just kind of feels not super secure. Um, He is currently at, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine the 10th lowest out of 60 wide receivers as far as his drop percentage, which is at 11.8%. So that's a pretty big problem. As far as his contested catch ability, he's actually quite low. I've got him 44th on the list out of 60 some odd, whatever, um, 34.8%. Passer rating when targeted, he's 33rd. So obviously several are higher. Jalen Hyatt is the highest. Uh, Deep passing grade, um, he's 14th. There's a lot of guys with a 99.9. There's eight. Rasheed Rice has it. Jordan Addison has it. Jackson Smith and Jigba has it. Jalen Hyatt. They've all got 99.9 uh, grades on deep passes. He's a 98.1. Seems really high, but it's, you know, again, he's 14th. Intermediate passing, which is where you would think you'd kind of be able to, you know, with his route running and his size and all that stuff, you'd be able to do some damage. He ranks 49th. Um, with a 89.6 grade, which again seems high, but um, you've got do, 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 do. you've got uh, 47 of the wide receivers are in the 90s. He's not one of them. And then even on short passing, he ranks uh, 35th as far as his grade. He has an 84.2 grade. Uh, just for context, Jackson Smith and Jigba has got a 95.4. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with a lot of these guys. Andre, Lavosas, whatever, 93. Josh Downs, 93. Uh, Puka Nakua, 91. Uh, Zay Flowers here with a 90. Marvin Mims with a 90. So Jordan Addison is 27th with an 89. First down percentage, he's not uh, too terrible at. He's got, uh, let's see, one, two, roughly 10th or so. 
He's 12th, which again is nice. But I, I guess the biggest issue that I have with him is that for most of this, he doesn't really rank massively high. And when you're talking about this guy that's potentially a top 10 pick, clear number one wide receiver, it's like in, in almost every single one of these metrics, you've got two or three, you know, two or three of the other two or three that are seen as first round prospects are consistently higher than Quentin Johnston. Um, one area that he does quite well is broken tackles. This is where he is actually number one and by kind of a wide margin. Um, the it's, it's a smaller number, but 0.4, nobody else has that 0.3 is the highest to just to put it into context out of 10, he has an 8.2. The next highest is 6.4. So he's very, very good at broken tackles. He's got a real slick spin move after he catches the ball, he spins and psychs everybody out. Um, sliding over to SIS where they've got the points added, PE, PAA, all that stuff. Um, points expected per route. He is second behind Jackson Smith and Jigba. Points above average per route. He's second behind Jackson Smith and Jigba. Just to put it into context, PE per route. Jackson, 10.6. Quinton, 7.7. Um, PAA, Jackson, 10.42 out of 10. Uh, Quinton, 7.54. EPA, he doesn't do quite as well. I haven't done the correlation to find out which of these is a better metric. I know most people like to use EPA. Um, I don't really know. But EPA, he ranks 19th. Again, Jackson Smith and Jigba, number two, or number one. Jalen Hyatt, number two. Jordan Addison is fifth. If you look at positive play percentage, what percentage of the time during a play does he do something awesome? Uh, he is one, two, three, four, five, seventh from the bottom. Boom percentage, he's right around the middle. Um, he has a, for context, a 6 out of 10. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, broke the scale again, 10.79 out of 10. Uh, who else is up here? Jordan Addison is about 6th. He's got, uh, where are we? Uh, 7.68 out of 10. Jalen Hyatt, 7.58. So again, those, those guys, Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt, Jackson Smith and Jigba, consistently above him in all these metrics. Uh, bust percentage, which obviously you want to be low in this. Quentin Johnston is the second worst, second highest bust percentage. Now, I don't know about wide receiver, but for quarterback, this is one of the biggest indicators. If you have a high bust percentage, no thanks. Quentin Johnston is the second highest bust percentage. Darius Davis is the worst. He has a 2 out of 10. Quentin Johnston has a 4 out of 10. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 9.5, uh, 0.062% bust percentage. Jordan Addison is fourth. Jalen Hyatt is fifth. So it's it's like the same guys in the top five all the time. You got Matt Landers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, who else is up here all the time? Um, Puka Nakua, not Quentin Johnston. So I can tell you very clearly, without having really added any of this up, I'll get to that when I can, um, He's not going to be ranked very high. In fact, I'm I'm one thousand. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be the highest graded. That's that's obvious. But Jordan Addison and Jalen Hyatt are also going to be very very high. So those are going to be the top three. I would think. I mean, there could be some other ones in here, but those are probably going to be the top three wide receivers. And then I don't even know where he'll probably end up being down a little ways. So statistically, not my favorite. Watching him. Again, he, he, he's he got that 6'4 frame and just kind of that, 
I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, I'm better than you, and that's my ball kind of attitude. But but again, the problem with that is he doesn't catch with confidence. And I know that doesn't probably make a lot of sense to people, but if you go watch him, you can see it. So it's hard, you know, again, George Pickens had that. He had confidence, not just when he got in people's faces, but also when he went up and got the ball. Quinton has more of a, it just feels like he's scared. There's a lot of body catching, there's a lot of double catching, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So as far as I can tell, the best thing about Quentin Johnson is that he's big and he's shifty and he's hard to bring down. That's cool and all, but that's not a number one wide receiver for me. So if we take him, will I get behind it? Of course. Will I dig as hard as I possibly can to find all the best possible traits about Quentin Johnson? Yes. Do I think Quentin Johnson is going to be drafted after the Packers pick? Yes, I do. That's my suspicion. I don't know, but I think pick 15 is going to come and go, assuming the Packers are picking there and Quentin Johnston will still be on the board, and the Packers will not pick him. That's my thought. Anyways, them's my thoughts. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, If you have any thoughts on either um, JSN or Quentin Johnston, let me know. Otherwise, you guys have a great night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 